Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. If you're uncertain about what you really want or unsure how to be a force for good, you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self, and unleash joy. As we raise our vibration, we heighten the collective consciousness, and that, my friends, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyers, Anita Adams here, your host of the Joyful Journey podcast. And today I'm so pleased to introduce you to Catherine Gordier, a powerhouse woman who I've known as an assistant director, producer, and writer in the film industry. Catherine is also the author of a gripping book, Breathe, Cry, Breathe, in which she shares her personal journey through grief as she comes to terms with the traumatic loss of three close family members. I invited Catherine to be on our show because joy is not the absence of sorrow, and the way through our pain is to embrace it. In Catherine's words, grief doesn't vanish quickly. It packs a suitcase and moves into your heart and your head. In the last chapter of her book, she so eloquently says, when you can find the strength to open your heart, you just may find some blessings on the other side of the morning. Today, we are going to talk about moving through grief, opening your heart, and finding the blessings. Welcome, Catherine. I want to thank you for writing such a raw and honest account of this time in your life and to acknowledge the bravery that it took in bringing this story forward. It seems you don't hide anything, even, even your messiness and sometimes less than attractive behaviors. It feels very raw and authentic. I, and I really believe your book will help many find strength in the, in the aftermath of their loss. So again, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Catherine, why don't we start with you sharing what happened on that fateful night in November of 2009? Okay, it was the night of my youngest sister's surprise birthday party. I also just want to mention I'm the eldest of eight. So this tragedy not only affected me, but all of my siblings and uh, 16 nieces and nephews on my side of the family alone. So we were gathered in zombie costumes for this horror-themed surprise birthday party for my sister Julie and we were, well, I literally was um, putting the finishing touches of blood dripping down my sister's neck when the phone rang and my sister-in-law answered and we found out my mother had been hit by a car hmm. while walking, walking home from church. And in full zombie attire, my husband and I dashed out to the accident site only to uh, find out once we arrived that my sister Julie had also been struck. The ambulances were gone and uh, we went to the hospital where we found out my mother had died. Mm. And Julie was so severely brain damaged that we had to say goodbye to her the next day. So the surprise party turned it out to be a, a real bad surprise. Yeah, what a 
there's, there's no, there are no words for something like that. Um, and I can't even, can't even imagine um, the horror and the pain and, and everything that you and your family had to go through um, during that time. And I know that um, in, from your book, uh, your father died shortly after, and I believe, and I think you say in your book, you, you believe he died from a, from a heartbreak, a broken, broken from, heart, from broken a broken heart. heart. Yes. Yeah. Which is, is, it is real. And I, I researched that and uh, there is a piece on broken heart syndrome in the book as well. Yeah. Yeah. In your book, you acknowledge that the healing journey is very different for everyone and that everyone must find their own way. And along your journey, you discover that there are five different types of griever identities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you've, you've written some stuff about this. Maybe we can share with our audience what those five identities are. That might help people that are going through their own, their own grief. Well, I, I'd like to say that I wrote this, but I found this on Google. Google is, oh my God, like everybody's friend, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what I was Googling in particular that day, but I came across this article written by Dr. Susan Berger explaining the five different types of grievers. And so one is a nomad. This type are in denial and they run from their grief. An example of that would be a friend of mine whose husband died suddenly a few years ago, and she's been traveling nonstop since and has recently, uh, she read my book about three months ago and reading that she realized that's what she was doing. She Mm -hmm. wasn't dealing with her grief. I stepped into the pain she was traveling, trying to just take her mind off of Mm -hmm. it, can't run from it. Um, Number two is a seeker. A seeker incorporates religion and spirituality into their lives to help them deal with their grief. Number three, a normalizer, focuses on recreating a sense of family. For example, if you lost a child, you might want to spend more time with a niece and nephew to try to help you fill the void. Number four, a memorialist. This type is committed to keeping the memory of their loved one alive. A well-known example of this would be the Terry Fox run, Mm. but you don't have to go that big. I've done, I've done uh, seven fundraisers for Special Olympics Kingston uh, since Julie died, all in her memory. Mm. I've done a huge one. The first one was a huge one. $300 tickets, 350 guests or more, you know, big downtown Toronto. And I've also done house parties. And uh, at, I had a birthday party at my house and I said, in lieu of a gift, please bring a donation uh, in memory of Julie uh, for Special Olympics. And raised just a simple house party, raised over $2,000, which enabled them to buy new team uniforms for the Mm. Number five is an activist. An activist takes the focus off their own grief 
by helping others, usually by getting involved with an organization within their community, or as I did, or getting involved with something that had to do with your loved one or how they died. Mm -hmm. So uh, as an example, I, I tried to get a crosswalk built at the accident site. Um, and the other thing I did was, was bring awareness to the elderly seniors driving tests to, uh, I don't know if most people are aware, but you, know, you don't have to get in the car for a driving test from the time you get your license at 17 years old till whenever it is, you don't drive anymore. You could be 95 and never have to get in the car again. So I was trying to promote awareness for mm -hmm. that as well, which I was a guest on the 16 by nine show um, promoting that. So, but you could just find something that touches you that's relating to your loved one. Right. And to keep busy. It's it's good to do something that is good for somebody else to keep, keep busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it sounds like you you've kind of done all but maybe the the nomad, actually, because I know that you've you have been a seeker um, from some of this. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, normalizer. Would you, would you, would you fall in that category at all? Um, I met one of Julie's friends and at first I thought I'm going to, you know, include her more in my life. Maybe I'll invite her to the cottage or something. Mm. And then I realized a, it was too soon. Yeah. And, you know, and she wasn't Julie. Right. She wasn't my family and she ended up moving out to Calgary. So I right. couldn't, but I, the, I immediately did. I went, I want, I need somebody else to focus on. Right. And, uh, you know, I called my mom every week, every weekend mm -hmm. since I moved from home at 18 years old. And uh, so I started calling my aunt Joan every weekend. As a replacement. So, so right. So that's, yeah, that would be kind of my, the normalizing is trying to yeah attention somewhere else. Yeah. And then the, the immoralist, um, I guess, holding on to possessions and maybe creating shrines and things like that. Would that be an example of? Um, yes. I also did a, I, I made a beautiful Julie collage. Yes. Vacation at the lake. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people write a song. And you I, wrote a poem. And I wrote a poem. Yeah. So, so beautiful. It's, it's just simple because you, you feel, you know, I could feel her voice. Mm. Like she would, she would get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what a, what a beautiful way to, to work through your grief actually is to, to do these things um, and to find connection. Um, and, and then the last, the last one, the activist, you know, like that, I guess that because you, you, you became very active in many, in many areas. And we'll come back to that a little bit more with some calls to actions that we can leave our guests with if they feel so inspired. Uh, I imagine throwing yourself into a lot of this work 
would help alleviate the pain? Oh, absolutely. But again, yeah. also, you know, perhaps being an activist wouldn't work for everybody. Yeah. Um, I'll go back to saying I'm the eldest of eight. If I didn't say I was the eldest before. Mm-hmm. And with that does bring a different personality. Um, mm-hmm. I've been self-employed most of my adult life. Um, um, and so, but being, being active rather than, uh, which I know a lot of people do and grief is hard. It's, yeah. it's, like I, I, I did not sit around in my sweats all day long mm-hmm. and, and cry. And I tried to give myself something to do. Like I, I working out was one um, to just release some of the happy endorphins, mm-hmm. which exercise did. It didn't mean, like you said, I don't have to be crying all the time. I can still be sad and I yeah doing stuff. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. You know, cocktail hours with friends and, yeah. and, and, and laughing with them. It doesn't mean that the pain is gone. It just mm-hmm. really- I, I, I imagine Catherine that the, the writing of this book was a very big part of your healing journey as well. Yes. Uh, with my again my family everybody grieves differently and mm-hmm. a few times when I would bring it bring up the accident or start to talk about about our loved ones that were gone you know I I had a sister say do you have to bring up mom dad and Julie all the time like mm. do you have to talk about them all the time and I thought yes I do, I do. <laughs> and if I can't talk about them to my sisters then writing writing helped me it it lifted that yeah lightened the burden of not being able to talk about it uh typing about it and um uh, you know yes perhaps uh, perhaps i didn't have to publish it for the world to see but through through the journey with with some of the the therapists Mm -hmm. and friends and friends that were losing parents during this, because this process, this was 10 years in, in the making. They were losing their parents going, Catherine, I can't wait till your book is done. I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was going to be, um, I thought I would do like a self-help book because once I saw the, the, the Reiki clairvoyant and then I saw this medium and the neuromodulation technique and I, I had these different types and just, and the grief counselors and the groups. I thought I'm going to write like a self-help book about it. But a self-help book doesn't go into your heart. The reader's absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just a self-help book. Yeah. What do I do now? But so I thought the way they'll believe me is if they can experience some of my pain. Yeah. And know, and then, and then, and then read, oh, well, then Catherine did this and it did help her. So maybe it'll help me. And that it's very inspiring. And again, there's a lot of bravery that goes into doing that because you could have taken a, a, like you said, a more of a self-help, this is what you do approach. And instead you, you 
talk about this is how you went through the process and 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 you put it all out there you know like you talk about needing that drink and you know and the um disconnect with your husband and how your frustration with your husband and then and then again you talk about how he's there to support you and and I I love how you weaved reality and the messiness as I said earlier and the beauty together you know because we're we're not we're not we're multifaceted. We have so much that's going on for all of us and we process and deal with things differently. And it's not always pretty. And particularly when, when life gets really hard, it's definitely not going to be pretty. So I I just really want to commend you for taking that really brave step because there's a lot of people that just, they don't know how to, how to deal with something. I would never, I wouldn't have a clue how to deal with something like what you've gone through. Uh, and like you, I probably would feel like I need to hold it together and be strong and not show my emotions and, you know, and be the, like, I'm that older sister as well, the, you know, and you take on that role of being, having everything held together. Like and- I'm, I'm no, I'm no angel, but what happened to me that night in the hospital was I put on the, I immediately went, okay what do I have to do now? What has to be done now? Mm-hmm. Everybody else falling their eyes out. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm going, ah, I'm the only, like, I got to do something. What do we do? Yeah. So my, my grieving was put on hold a bit too. It was just like, sure. plan the funeral, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there, there was a lot, a lot happening all at once and, and you feeling the, the responsibility to take a lead on that. I want to, you talk about in your book, uh, how you turn to psychics and mediums. You also, um, allude that that's not typically something you would do yet. You decided to go down that path and give it a, it a try and I'm, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm quite intrigued by some of the stories you shared. And I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that uh, here and the, how the, that experience helped or maybe not helped in some cases with, um, with your grieving process. Well, um, the first, uh, the Reiki clairvoyant, she was called. She was, it was, she was referred to me by a friend who had seen her because she lost her mother suddenly, uh, tragically, uh, that she was, her mother was murdered actually. So, Oh my gosh. So like, so I, I was in the, well, yeah, whatever, man, (laughs) I'll do what, you know, yes, I'll try, I'll try and I'll try anything. Let's go and and do it. And oh my God, this woman, uh, Benita, she, just I, I can tell you some of the things that I heard, but it's only when you hear messages specific to yourself that'll that you'll really believe it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, people like my agent called calls us hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, just like simple things are deeper things that I'll probably cry if I say. But mm. simple things like your grandmother's here. She's saying something about raspberry jam cookies. <laughs> what? My mother, my grandmother made these round raspberry jam cookies with molasses. 
with the hole in the middle where you could see the raspberry jam. It's very like, specific. It's very specific. Yeah. Oh, and you have an aunt, dear. She's Aunt Joan. Your Aunt Joan is not doing well. I'm going to just backtrack here and say, I did not give my last name to any of the psychics mm. mediums that I saw. Mm -hmm. And some of them, they don't even believe in Googling. They just, they don't, they don't go there. This Benita isn't even on the internet. <laughs> so when you hear even things like raspberry jam cookies, and she does, you can't look that up on the internet. Yeah. And you believe. Uh, um, another fun one is about my dad taking out his front teeth. And, <laughs> and putting them on the end of his tongue and clicking them <laughs> up and down. And, oh, your dad's here. This was a message actually to my, to my sister, but she shared it with me and we both howled. Like, mm. like who? Like, you can't make that up. Right. right. Yeah, that that must have no, brought you a lot of comfort. Just just one other thing too for yeah. the the listeners or readers. So all of the sessions, all my therapy sessions were recorded except the group session. So it's verbatim. I transferred everything is verbatim except that it's shortened. Right. It's all it's not hocus pocus. Yeah. Made, made up for the book. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was so intrigued by all that. So what, what is your interpretation now of, um, or, and has your thoughts about life after death changed at all? Or like, where do you stand on that spectrum? Well, as an example, um, I, well, I do believe in the afterlife, mm -hmm. but we have a, a country house that has windows all the way around. And I would spend a lot of time there alone and sometimes you know looking out there in the darkness it could, it could be kind of freaky after my parents died and after seeing these mediums and knowing they're here they are here I I have never been afraid since and I'm, I'm not even I'm not afraid really of anything now and I'm not afraid of dying I don't want it die a violent death but, right. but I'm not and I just yes I on I believe in the afterlife and I've I've got gotten lots of messages I became a bit of a medium addict actually and oh I, yeah that I have yeah. another I have another one scheduled in two weeks awesome yeah <laughs> this, this, yeah I I imagine there is a lot of comfort uh in in that you know we don't we don't know. We don't really can't even comprehend all the possibilities of this universe. I think our our understanding is so limited and there's so much potential. And this idea of life after death uh, really intrigues me and gives me uh, it gives me a lot of comfort and also makes me feel less afraid of of death. It's part of the, the continuum, I guess. Um and like you, you know, um, I, I, I do seek the wonder. I seek the wonder. And it's, uh, it brings me joy uh, exploring these things as well. So very cool. 
I want to shift to the advocacy and the fundraising work that you touched on uh, earlier. Uh, So you have thrown yourself uh, quite headstrong, headlong into a number of different things. And I'd love you to talk a little bit more about some of the work that you you started and that you continue to do uh, and the passions that you have around that work and the, the awareness you're trying to bring on. And, and at the end of the show, um, or rather in the show notes, we'll add some links to some of the, the things that you're talking about, because I think there's uh, there's some beautiful work that you're doing here that was uh, sparked because of this this tragedy. So please share. Well, mo- mostly what I have done is is the fundraisers for Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, what some and can just for our audience's sake, can can you say tell us a little more why Special Olympics is so dear to oh, you? Well, yes, of course, because Julie was a Special Olympics basketball player. Yeah, and I had the pleasure of seeing her play twice, and uh, yes just to seeing the the joy again using yeah. that word i love that word of uh, of on their faces playing yeah and, yeah i have a cute memory of uh uh julie it was a practice and we're in the gym and my brother my brother dave walked in and he was a bit late <laughs> He was late. And you know how you sit just on the benches, right on the floor, right there in the gym. Yeah. And he was walking in and Julie's like, my brother Dave is here. And they stop playing. This is in the middle of the game. Stop. And they're like, <laughs> hi, Dave. Hi. <laughs> oh, it's heartwarming. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Great. So you started some fundraising for the Special Olympics in honor of your sister, Julie. Was, was what some people don't know is uh, each chapter has to raise their own funds for their own events. Ah. So smaller towns might have it a little bit more difficult than the big cities. Right. So that's why I, I have specifically said Special Olympics, Ontario, Kingston, um, but helping Special Olympics anywhere is, uh, is a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. And I, I love how you've tapped into your um, resources in the, in the film industry and, and all that to create the excitement and the awareness and to bring out some people that want to support the work that you're doing. You know, you're, you're in a really great position to raise the awareness and have so many skills at your, you know, in your back pocket from the years and of um, being a producer and knowing how you basically, I feel like you've been trained in many ways from your work to do what you're doing now in your advocacy work. So. Well, the, the first one, uh, the first fundraiser that I did was the big fancy one. And it was a film industry event because initially it was, uh, I was starting to organize um an event to honor my husband, Don, for producing a hundred films. And then the accident happened like mm-hmm. a month after we started. So then it waited the, the full year. And then the, the co-producer came to me and said, okay, so I'd still really like to do this to honor him. It was his publicist. And I said, well, okay, except he's also going to be turning 60. So I said, we can, I'll, I'll help you but it has to be his birthday party as well. And I want it to all the money to go to special Olympics. Great. 
we did we did Special Olympics, but we also I think it was fifteen thousand went to the Canadian Film Center scholarship, Don Carmody scholarship as right. well. So, but that was a big one. Since then, I've done two in Kingston, but they had just as many people, like three hundred people at them. But it wasn't a three hundred dollar ticket. <laughs> well, good stuff. And but, but it's all but it's all to yes that old you know make something good out of something bad yeah 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 that's beautiful and i uh, you created or the special olympics in kingston they created a um an, an award for um yes. for the the olympians and your your sister's name is that correct yes to honor julie the joy of julie that's right the, i love it joy i know <laughs> And when you describe your your sister and and the joy that she had in everything she did, um, I, it just it just lit up my heart as well. Um, in in reading about Julie, she just sounds like the most bubbly, amazing woman. And what a what a blessing to have her in your life and to you know have um, had that that time with her, even though it was short. I understand that, and that's that is painful. Um, and you are keeping her memory alive, which is so beautiful. So beautiful. It's fun. Uh, yeah. So fun, it's fun. It's worth it. Yeah. Are you still actively involved with the Special Olympics? Then? I am. Um, and actually, this I can't really publicize uh, the amount yet, but a dear, dear friend of, of mine passed of mm-hmm. ours last May. And he had come out to three of the special uh, Olympics fundraisers that I did. He was best man at our wedding. Mm. Um, so we've known him a long time, obviously. And I only got the news yesterday Some, for Special Olympics Ontario emailed me and says, do you know the blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he's given like an enormous uh donation i'm going to say it like it's not a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars it's a lot a lot money more so now they're talking to me what are we going to do with it <laughs> so yeah so i'm so i have a meeting with them on the on the weekend wow how wonderful what a what a beautiful ripple effect hmm? yes exactly mm. like so. and how you can touch so many lives by taking action with something that's important to you i love it well again when if you ever have the pleasure of going to a Special Olympics event, like just treat yourself. And mm. <laughs> I will. I will. That's I, I want to experience what you're talking about. It sounds pure. And I still like I had already thought once this pandemic was over. Yes, we have to do another party. The athletes love music and dancing. And they haven't been able to do that for two yeah. years. And it takes money to do that. And nobody's yeah. been able to raise money for two years. Yeah. So w- without John's generous donation, like I was still, I was still planning on trying to do another fundraiser. Great. So this, this sounds like um, the Special Olympics is something that you'll, you will continue to stay involved in for a while. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of the other advocacy work you're doing. I know that you were um, really lobbying to make some changes with the um, regulations for uh, elder drivers. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? 
I, I would like to say I've done something since, okay. since my original attempt and, um, and being interviewed on the uh, Too Old for the Road yeah. episode on the 16 by 9 show. But um, now that the book is out there, and now, you know, once we can start to meet people in person, then I, I would still like to try just make it aware. I mean, what, when, when that 16 by 9 episode aired, I had three people, at least three or four, email me or phone me and said, I took the keys away from my dad or mm -hmm. my mom, or my mom hung up her keys after watching Great. that show and finding out what happened to this unfortunate eight, 85 year old woman that because uh, it's hard on the drivers it's they grieve as well they suffer oh of course they do an accident the driver suffers as yeah. well yeah and i i'm i'm not sure if we actually mentioned at the beginning and we may have that um your, your family was hit by an, an um an 85 year old um driver yeah um i, I also want to presence uh something that you said in the book that you actually waited and um until this woman passed before you published this book because you didn't want to cause any more pain for her and that you forgave her i think that's brave um uh, shows a lot of heart uh, from from you this um, is a woman just to back so she was 84 she was turning 85 in seven weeks and I found out through a friend of their family that she, her family had asked her to hang up her keys. And she said, I will when I'm 85. Right. Yeah. Seven weeks uh, too late. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any tips on language that we can use to talk to our family members or anything you can share with us that can help us have that conversation because that's a that's a, a really awkward uncomfortable conversation to have and an important one um and the idea of taking away some freedoms from our our parents can be very upsetting um yet the consequences are so huge if if they're not if they shouldn't be driving. And, and I, I don't know, maybe you might not have um, something that you can share with us, but um, I thought I'd, I'd throw well, that I out. Like I didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, just an example, another friend of mine gave my book to her mother. Mm, that's a great idea. Her mother said, I, I know why you gave me this book now. Mm -hmm. because she's 87 and still driving and she didn't want her mother to drive so then she didn't have she didn't have to have the conversation the mother went okay I get it yeah anymore I've um I've had this convert uh, sort of a conversation um I've shared this book and the interview I'm having with you with my mother-in-law um who she's um she has some eye issues and when her eyes are great they're great and when they're not, they're, they're not. So I was just suggesting that um, she may need to consider at a time to put the keys away entirely. And I felt really awkward and comfortable saying that. Um, and at the same time, you know, like just sharing the consequences of what happened to your family, um, you know, it's just uh, maybe that's like you said, maybe that's just a, that's a good way to, to have the conversation is to hand people this book and, and, 
yeah, just share that because it is, it's pretty devastating what can happen if you're. Yeah, no, she, she was never the same either. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine taking somebody's life, you know. Oh, hmm. Any, any words of wisdom that you can leave with our audience, anybody that has gone through grief, um, anything that you have particularly done that has helped you more than other things in your healing journey? Well, uh, it, it, when grief is sudden, like I believe that's the worst, the mm. sudden death is, I can't describe how bad that feels. Um, but although in the beginning, it's extremely, extremely difficult to accept. Um, I think like once, once the shock uh, and the devastation, once, once you've kind of moved on from your shock zone, um, I would say to try your best to choose to celebrate your loved ones mm. instead of it's their birthday. Oh, it's their birthday. And I'm crying because he's not here for the birthday. Mm-hmm. Try, try to celebrate by getting a cake. Um, we're drinkers. We're part Irish, you know, <laughs> they drink what they like. For example, my dad, on my dad's birthday and father's days, I have a beer. I'm not a real beer drinker, but I'm like, Hey dad, having a beer for you. I sing to them on their birthdays. It doesn't have to be birthdays, but, or like I said, I make, made the collage, do things. To celebrate them. To celebrate their life. Yeah. Cry. They don't want us to be crying and sad for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I would say, try, try to find the strength to be thankful for the time that you had with them and, and, and honor them and still keep talking because they can hear you. Yeah. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to go to a medium to have a conversation. You can just step outside or I don't know, while you're making dinner or whatever, have your conversation, right? Beautiful. Catherine, thank you so much. If if people wanted to um, pick up a copy of your book, where's uh, where? How do they do that? Well, they can uh, go to my website to katherinegordier.com. Um, in Canada, it's available at Chapters Indigo across Canada. Um, it was released last year, and it was in most bookstores across Canada. Or it's at the Behemoth. You know who that is. Amazon through Amazon. <laughs> That's where I got my copy. In fact, the Amazon, uh, it's Amazon in the UK and the US and Australia. I heard from somebody from Australia. Great, great. So it's, it's getting some traction out there. That's really fantastic. Good. Try to support bookstores when you can, but otherwise. Good stuff. All right, Catherine, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us and coming here on the Joyful Journey um, podcast and opening up your heart and um, inspiring. You are inspiring. So thank you for all that you've you've contributed um, with the writing of this book. Thank you. And 
and and your joyful note. So yeah, so try to turn your grief journey into a joyful journey. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. And thank you, joyful journeyers for tuning in. We'll include links to how to connect with Catherine in the show notes um, and her website and how to find her book. And please, uh, if you know anybody that needs to hear this podcast, share share it with uh, your friends and family and, and leave us a, re- a review. Uh, it goes a long way in helping us to, to reach more people. And on that note, have an amazing, amazing day and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated with you, please visit our website at joyfulinspiredliving.com. Sign up to receive a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom and become a member of the Joyful Inspired Living community. For a deeper spiritual dive, check out our retreats. We offer both in-person retreats on beautiful Bowen Island in British Columbia, as well as online retreats that you can do from the comfort of your own home. And finally, if you liked our show, please leave a review so more people can find it and learn how to access their highest self. And together, we'll raise the collective consciousness.